I want you to remain standing as I bring up our incredible speaker tonight. I've grown to love him. I appreciate him uh, loving this house, loving what God's doing here. We love what God's doing in Chattanooga and beyond and how he's leading uh, so many pastors and leaders and so many churches into deeper things of God. He just doesn't preach just to preach. He preaches after the heart of God with the face of God in mind. Bishop Kevin Wallace, it is a joy to have you in this house tonight, and we want you to come and take your liberty. Would you help me welcome Bishop Kevin Wallace all the way from Chattanooga? Praise the Lord. I brought my hunting clothes tonight. I'm still holding out that your pastor's going to take me to shoot a hog. I heard he kills hogs. Hallelujah. How many are glad to be in the house of the Lord? I'm going to do something that you might find odd and weird, but my faith was just built watching that man testify of God healing him of bursitis and shoulder pain because I had a shoulder surgery about two years ago and it helped get, I had a torn labrum, a torn rotator cuff, it was a mangled mess. Doctor said he'd never seen anything like it before. After I had the surgery a year later, I have the most unbelievable pain at time in my right shoulder from bursitis. And faith came on me a moment ago. I'm the preacher. I'm supposed to pray for you. But I want you to come pray for me. I want you to come pray for me. Because I feel healing in the room tonight. And some of you think that was just a video, but what that was is a prophetic testimony of what the Lord can do in this house. Because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Do you hear what I just said? The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What does that mean? If you testify of what he did, it declares prophetically what he will do again. Somebody say, yeah. So in that, I, I, even tonight, I, I mean, it's just very painful. I have to lift my hand like this, and when I really want to give him a sacrifice of praise, I go like that, and I do it through the pain. But I just believe God can touch my shoulder right now. Pastor, can I impose on you to pray for me? Can I impose on you all to pray for me? Is it okay if the evangelist gets a healing before he preaches? My Lord Jesus, extend your right hand here. Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, in the name of Jesus. Yes, 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 yes,
Somebody give God praise all over this room right now. I said, somebody give God praise all over this room. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Somebody shout yes. I felt the power of God touch my shoulder. I'm telling you, I couldn't do this without pain, but I can do it right now, and I don't feel one bit of pain. And I give God the praise. Hallelujah. Oh. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I feel better already. I said I feel better already. How many know God is good? I didn't drive here to preach. I drove here to get healed tonight. Hallelujah. <laughs> I need to give you your honorarium, babe. Thank you. Hallelujah. We give you praise, Abba. I want you to take your Bible with me and open it tonight. Whew. He does that to drive religious people nuts sometimes. Hallelujah. I want you to open your Bible to 2 Kings. I believe my change is coming. I believe a change is coming. I believe my change is coming right now. Somebody just put that in your atmosphere. I believe my change is coming. How many need God to change something? I believe my change is coming. I believe my change is coming. Thank you for the oil, Lord, right now. How many believe he can do it in 24 hours? Say tomorrow about this time come on just put that out there tomorrow about this time tomorrow about this time things are gonna change somebody say it tomorrow about this time 24 hours tomorrow about this time Tomorrow about 
this time things are gonna change hallelujah second Kings chapter 9 <laughs> verse number one I know you've stood all night would you stand for three more minutes while I read the Bible in honor of the Word of God and if you stand anymore it will be only because you want to and I pray some of you find something in your feet you ain't found in a while and it feels like fire shut up in your bones how many are thankful for this great church this great man and woman of God and this amazing move of God that is sweeping a nation how many know we're honored to be here I said we're all honored to be a part of something very very powerful and special and I count it a tremendous privilege to come back and be with you anytime your pastor calls me. I just make it happen. Whatever I have to cancel, whatever I have to move, I move it to get to Christ Fellowship and this great North Georgia revival. Because as much as I came to pour out, I want the grace of revival to rest on my own life. We're not living in days where you can make it on religion you got to have a move of God going on on the altar of your heart. And every time I come, I pray that what God gives me for you is a blessing, but I want you to know I leave with a blessing every time I leave this place. And so I'm honored, Pastor. Thank you so much for allowing me to be here. My soul is grateful. And tonight there is a word from the Lord. Look at your neighbor. Tell him there is a word from the Lord. And I was going to preach out of 2 Kings chapter 7 a message that's been in my spirit for some time, but God took me to 2 Kings 9. I've been in 2 Kings for several weeks, and there is something here in the ninth chapter of 2 Kings that I believe the Lord wants to say to us tonight. Verse 1, when you got it, shout word. Look at your neighbor, say, neighbor, you look 10 pounds lighter on week 216 than you did in 213. Come on, tell them, you're looking better already. Revival is working for you, hallelujah. Second Kings 9. And Elisha the prophet called one of the sons of the prophets and said to him, look at this, get yourself ready. Take this flask of oil in your hand and go to Ramoth Gilead. And when you arrive at that place, look for, the, for, look for Jehu, the son of Jehoshaphat, who is the son of Nimshi, and go in and make him rise from among his associates. And take him into an inner room and take the flask of oil and pour it on his head. And thus saith the Lord, and tell him, thus saith the Lord, I have anointed you king over Israel. Then open the door and run and do not delay. So the young man, the servant of the prophet, went to Ramoth Gilead, and when he arrived there, there were captains of the army sitting. How many know you're in trouble when the captain of the army is sitting? And he said, I have a message for you, commander. And Jehu said, for which one of us? And he said, for you, commander. And he rose and went into the house and poured oil on his head. And he said to him, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I have anointed you king over the people of the Lord, over Israel. You will strike the house of Ahab, your master, that I may avenge the blood of my servants, the prophets, and the blood of all the servants of the Lord. Lives were taken at the hand of Jezebel. 
Then Jehu come out, look at verse 11. Then Jehu, I'm going to bounce around here, just follow me. Jehu came out, of the, out to the servants of the master, and one said to him, Is all well? What did this mad, madman, why did this madman come to you? And he said to them, You know the man and his babble? And they said, to, and they said a lie. In other words, you're telling us a lie. He said, you know that man, he was just babbling. He didn't do anything. And they looked at him and said, you lie. Tell us now. And he said, thus saith the Lord. He spoke to me saying, thus saith the Lord, I have anointed you king over Israel. Each man hastened to take his garment and put it under him on the top of the steps. And they blew trumpets saying, Jehu is king. I know what this text says, but tonight I come to blow a trumpet and tell everybody Jesus is king. Somebody say yes. Skip down to verse 16. Jehu rode in a chariot and went to Jezreel, for Joram was laid up there. And Ahaziah, king of Judah, had come down to see Joram. A watchman stood on the tower in Jezreel, and he saw the company of Jehu as he came and said, I see a company of men. Joram said, Get a horseman and go to him and say, Is it peace? And the horseman went to meet him and said, Thus saith the king, Is it peace? And Jehu said, What do you know about peace? Turn around and follow me. Look at somebody tell them, Turn around. Turn around. Tell your other neighbor, Turn around. So the watchman reported all the messenger, how the messenger went with them, and he is not coming back. How many know when God does a work in your life, you don't go back the same way? Somebody say, Amen. Verse 19, he sent out a second horseman, and he, he came to them and said, Thus saith the king, do you come in peace? And Jehu answered, What have you to do with peace? Turn around. Somebody say, Turn around and follow me. And the watchman reported, He went up to them and is not coming back. And the driving is like the driving of Jehu, the son of Nimshi, for he drives furiously. That sounds like some of you brothers in this house on I-75. Come on, somebody. Joram said, Make ready, and his chariot was made ready. And Joram, the king of Israel, and Ahaziah, king of Judah, went out each in his chariot, and they went out to meet Jehu and meet him on the property of Naboth, the Jezreelite. And it happened when Joram saw Jehu that he said, Do you come in peace? He answered, What peace is there as long as the harlotries of your mama? How many know these are fighting words? Harlotries of your mother Jezebel and her witchcraft are so many. And Joram turned around and fled. Say, Turn around. And he fled and said to Ahaziah, treachery, Ahaziah, verse 30, and I'm through. Now, now, when Jehu had come to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it, and she put paint on her eyes and adorned her head and looked through a window. And as Jehu entered at the gate, she said, Is it peace, Zimri, murderer of your master? And he looked up at the window and said, Who is on my side? Who? So two or three eunuchs looked out at him, and he said to them, Throw her down. So they threw Jezebel down, and her blood splattered on the wall and on the horses, and he, and, and he trampled her underfoot. How many know the devil is coming down out of his high place, and God is going to trample some adversaries under our feet? I read a scripture in the book of Romans said that the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Somebody just pick a foot up and put it down tonight and make sure your feet work because I believe some high things are coming down and some strongholds are going to be broken. How many know there's victory in Jesus? Somebody say amen. I want to preach tonight on these, on these few words and it's in three or four different passages here. Verse number. 19, verse number 23, verse number 15, 
uh, pardon me, uh, nine, uh, 19 and 18, it says that they turned around and they followed Jehu. I want to preach tonight on this thought, the turnaround anointing. Look at someone, tell them, neighbor, there is a turnaround anointing on this house. Tell them there's a turnaround anointing coming on your life. How many know the anointing is what breaks the yoke? Somebody say amen. And there's some people in this room and watching me online who had a hard time turning and you couldn't turn it yourself. But I came to tell you when the anointing of the Holy Spirit shows up, the anointing makes the difference and the anointing destroys the yoke. How many can believe God with me tonight that lives are going to be turned around? Somebody say amen if you believe it. Father, help us tonight. We need you in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. I am almost certain. In fact, I know for a fact the first time I came here, I preached from 1 Kings 17 and 18 about Elijah and Jezebel. How many were here that first time? And I almost didn't want to preach this tonight because it mentions the same witch and the same person and the same diabolical spirit that is at work in the nation. And I, I asked the Lord tonight when he dropped this in my spirit on my way here tonight, I said, Lord, I, I'm not sure. I want to preach about Jezebel again in the same church. He said, there's some places that have an authority to deal with that spirit. And I want to preach about it tonight because I believe what this house has been raised up to do is confront a spirit of religion that is prevalent in an area and a region. God has not called you to a city. He's called you to a nation. In fact, he's called you to the nations of the earth. There is a tribe of people who God is raising up that will deal with spiritual wickedness in high places. There are some people that are not just content with having two fast songs and two slow songs and a nice Nice presentation of the gospel and a cute poem to tie it all in a bow and then a God bless you on the way out the door. Take up a lot of money and everybody go home the same way. No, there are some people who understand the power of Christ is to liberate entire generations. The power of God is manifested in ways that can turn whole cities upside down. And when you have seen the power of God and tasted the goodness of God and you know the glory of God, you cannot settle for a religious expression or a religious experience. You understand that God gives you his power and his authority to execute his will until thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Look at someone, tell them you have power and tell them you have authority. It's important that you understand you have both because one without the other makes you futile and useless. If you have uh, if you have a gun but don't have the authority to carry it, you better put it away because it is authority that gives you the ability. If you're a policeman, it is the badge, come on somebody, that gives you the authority to execute justice in moments of protecting your life or the life of others. Here's my point. We have people in the church who have the name of Jesus but do not carry the nature of Jesus if you want to have the power of God you got to have the heart of God and if you have the heart of God he will give you his authority to use his name so that you can pull down everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God if you don't know him you can use his name but it won't help you 
Talk to me, seven sons of Sceva. The Bible said in the book of Acts that when they encountered a demon-possessed man, they had been watching Paul, and they had been watching the ministry of the apostle. And so the Bible said that the seven sons of Sceva, which is problem number one, because if you're going to operate in authority, you must understand who your daddy is. And if I'm going to be introduced in the Bible, I don't want to be one of the seven sons of Sceva. I want to be one of the sons of Yahweh. The Bible said that they, they were the seven sons of Sceva and they saw a demon-possessed man. I'm going somewhere. Hold on to me. The Bible said that they began to cast the devil out of the man in the name of Jesus who Paul preached. They knew the power of the name of Jesus but did not have the authority to use that name. God said, God said, if you're going to have my power, you've got to understand it's not just the dunamis that you need, but it is the exousia. It is the authority, the badge, the deputization to use my name to bind on earth and it be bound in heaven to loose on earth and it be loosed in heaven. If you know the power but don't know uh, the authority, if you don't have relationship, you can actually speak his name and still get whooped on the battlefield. We need to understand power and authority, and it is my conviction that this house has been called to have a tremendous power and operate in a tremendous authority. That's why you've seen thousands of miracles and why you've baptized thousands of people and why you're, you haven't tasted yet the, great, the greatest moments. The greatest moments are not in your rear view. The greatest moments are yet ahead in your future. I wish I could find a hundred people that believe what I'm saying right now. You can't lose faith in this moment because this is not the moment where we say, well, maybe maybe God is winding this thing up. Maybe God is coming back tomorrow. Maybe God is getting ready to take the church. He may come tomorrow, but you better have a plan and a faith that connects you with a future that keeps on running the devil out of business. As long as he tarries, we will operate in power and authority, and we will never entertain the thought that the best is behind us the best is always yet to come there's this issue of power and authority you cannot have victory over principalities and powers now let me just say this tonight when we talk about Jezebel I talked about her the first time I came I preached something else the second time but I'm back the third time and I'm still talking about the witch because that spirit is a relentless spirit. And I'll get somebody who's watching on Facebook tonight and they'll throw this clip somewhere and some theologian will tell me Jezebel doesn't exist anymore. You better read your Bible. She's the only person that is in the Old Testament and her web of deception weaves itself all the way through to the book of Revelation and she's done jacked up the Sunday school system in the book of Thyatira, in the church of Thyatira and she's sleeping with the Sunday school teachers and has seduced them into idolatry. I want to tell you right now, Jezebel is not a woman. Jezebel is not a man. We do not wrestle flesh and blood. Jezebel is a power and a principality. She, it is something that operates in an unseen realm to affect things in a seen realm and people who don't have discernment walk around in defeat because they don't know they're not just fighting backslid deacons they are fighting a demon that is assigned to destroy the church powers and principalities spiritual wickedness 
in high places. You know what a high place is. A high place is a perch from which a person or an entity or an organization operate. And the higher you go in the Old Testament, you must understand when the Bible talks about destroying high places, it's because false gods and idols would look to be exalted in high places on the highest mountain to put their name above, above every other name uh, and every other god in that region. That's why the Bible said tear down the high places. Because the enemy wants the high place to exalt his authority over regions and over people. I have news for you tonight. There is a throne that is above every high place. God, I feel like preaching tonight. There is a name that is above every other name. You are not begging God to bring victory. When we say we are tearing down strongholds and principalities, we are simply executing the victory that Jesus already died to give us. We have power and we have authority. Not because of the denominational badge on our church. Not because of our bottle of oil or our ministerial file number. We have authority because greater is he that is living on the inside of us than the one living in the world. And this principality, this power, it is my conviction that Jezebel will operate until a greater authority and a greater power show up. The problem for Israel in the second book of Kings, the ninth chapter, is that Israel is operating in a place of division. Israel has no leader at this time. Actually, Israel has a leader, but the leader is under the influence of demonic powers and you have to be careful that you do not allow frauds to occupy thrones and I am I am here to report to you tonight and I'm sure your pastor can report and affirm what I'm getting ready to tell you we are living in a time in the church where I, I have never seen so much uncovered revealed scandals that have been going on for years all of a sudden God said I'm through with that because we have people with titles but fraudulent authority and God is raising up people watch this who have authority and anointing and scepters in their hand who operate in authority that came from God when the Bible said that he's king of kings who are the kings that he is a king of the Bible answers the question in Revelation the Bible said that he made you and I kings and priests unto God I can't find no help in here what I'm trying to tell you is that what you're doing right now on planet earth is a rehearsal for your purpose and your eternal future you who rule well over little are going to be given the responsibility of ruling over much you're going to be a king and a priest unto God throughout all millennia, throughout all eternity. Some, I say that and some people look at me funny. Uh, I don't know about me being a king. Yeah, you're going to be a king. You're in training. You're, I say you're in training. You know that buggy you put back in the buggy rack at the Walmart that you didn't leave out in the, out in the parking lot? 
when you put it back in the rack, you passed another test, and God said, I can trust her. If she'll put a buggy back she didn't leave in the parking lot, I can give her an anointing to break a yoke because her heart is right. His spirit is pure. I'm going somewhere. I'm going somewhere. So the Bible says that God spoke to Elisha the prophet. Elisha, watch this. Elisha gets the servant of the prophet, the son of the prophet, and he said, get ready. One of the greatest hindrances to victory coming to the people of God is an unprepared church. I, I, didn't get, I got one amen and some sideways faces here. But let me, let me unpack this thing. If you are not prepared, uh-huh, if you are not prepared, you will never experience what God has prepared. Why? Because God is not a waster of wine. God is not a waster of the oil. God is not a waster of the rain. If you want rain to fill your ditch, you better make room and dig a ditch. Some of us need the audacity to prepare. Look at somebody tell them, neighbor, prepare, prepare, prepare. Uh huh. If I uh -huh, tell them, get ready. Maybe they understand that better. Tell your neighbor, say, get ready, get ready, get ready. You say, Pastor, I'm waiting on a miracle. If you aren't preparing for it, then you may be waiting on it, but you'll never have it. Because if God were to send what you were waiting for, you don't have the capacity to receive what he has purposed for your life. Let me tell you like this. I have four, actually I have, I have six children now. Yes. I have four biological children. My youngest is Judah. Four years ago, she told me, God gave me a dream, daddy, and we're going to adopt a child. I petted her on the head and said to Devin, my wife, it's a spiritual child. We're going to adopt a spiritual child. Uh, go back to bed, Judah. Uh, God is not talking to you about a real child. Don't you know I'm 40 years old and I don't have time for no real child? I done got four of y'all and y'all taking up all my time. Hallelujah. So she came back a year later. Daddy, I had another dream. God showed me another child. We're going to adopt a baby. I said, go to bed. Go back to bed. It's a spiritual child. We're going to we're gonna have a spiritual child. And then came Christmas time. And what did she put on her Christmas list? I want a baby sister. I said to the devil, get under. Under. You better hear me. Get under my feet. That is not what God wants for my life. And then Devin came to me. Tears coming down her face as she said to me oh I had a dream last night uh, and I saw a little baby a little a little interracial baby in my dream curly hair and she had the most beautiful complexion I said God is gonna give you a spiritual child oh I feel it now yes we're gonna raise up a ministry it's gonna be red yellow black and white you're gonna have a spiritual child oh no God started talking to me it's one thing when he talks to Judah. It's one thing when he talks to my wife. But then he started sending me dreams. I wake up in the middle of the night. I bind. I called him one day. I said, I had the weirdest dream last night. He said, really, Bishop, what'd you dream? I said, I dreamed that I sold my car and somebody brought me a red, a candy apple red car that sat eight people. I don't even like candy apple red cars. 
And when I said, when I told him, I said eight people, I said, that's a spiritual dream. We're going to give birth to something in the spirit and it's going to be red, washed in the blood. Woo! Praise the Lord. That was two years ago. I'm going somewhere. Just hang on to me. Two years ago, I had this dream. Can I tell you that when God started messing with us about adopting a child, my wife started buying diapers, outfits. She started painting nurseries. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. These are spiritual children. She said, you believe what you want, but I heard from God. When you get a word from the Lord, you better be ready for the word to come to pass. And I feel like there are some people in here with a great big future, but a little bitty preparation life. And God sent me to shock somebody into get ready mode. Slap three people in your zip code and tell them I'm telling you, you better get ready. I felt the Holy Ghost breathe on me right there. God is getting ready to blow some businessman's mind. God is getting ready to breathe on something that you couldn't make grow in your own strength but God is about to breathe on it and it's getting ready to explode you better get ready you better get ready you better get ready you better get ready so so I had this dream and and we adopted Genesis Amaya Wallace Took her home from the hospital when she was born. She turned a year old this week. 32 pounds of juiciness. And she got me wrapped around her finger. So watch this. So my, my daughter comes back. She said, Lord gave me another dream. I said, you better quit dreaming. I'm going to need you to stop sleeping. She said, the Lord gave me another dream, and it was a baby boy. I said, I looked at Devin, I said, no. You hear the words coming out of my mouth? No. Watch this. Genesis has a relative who got pregnant out of wedlock who saw how happy she was living in the Wallace house. And the mama called Devin and said, I am 34 weeks pregnant, and I want you to take my baby boy and raise him in the house with Genesis. I said, no, Devin, this is not from God. I'm in the busiest season of my life. How in the world are we going to take? I am 42. Do you hear the words coming out of my mouth? I am 42. I need some sleep. This is a true story before the Lord. I kept saying no, and my daughter and my wife kept fasting and praying. This ain't like five years ago before I got mature. This is six weeks ago. Eight weeks ago now. I am driving down the road. Someone blessed us with a brand new Cadillac Escalade. I'm grateful for it. I was until it stopped working. A brand new car. I'm driving down the road, and it stopped working in the middle of the road. Push my foot on the gas, no gas. Put my foot on the, put my hands on the steering wheel, would not turn. I am sitting in the middle of a road on a car that would not work, and it only has 1,500 miles on it. 
I drove it 12 miles an hour to the Cadillac dealership. I said, you better fix this. He said, drop it off. He said, I'm going to need it for a period of time. They kept the car six weeks. I got some family in the church. This is a true story. Family in the church. They got cars, 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 cars. I called them. I said, can I borrow a car? My car, my brand new car broke down. Can you bring me a car and let me have a car? Says, sure. Which one do you want? I said, well, you know, whatever you bring, I'll drive. I'm grateful for whatever you bring. I, this is the truth before God. She pulls up in a candy apple red Hummer that seats eight people. Y'all can't, y'all can't hear me. Y'all can't hear me. Somebody said, why are you telling this story? Because you got to prepare. When she pulled up in the driveway with a red Hummer that sat eight people, I ran to my phone and started buying baby stuff because I, because I said, hold on, God. I understand. I repent for being so selfish. Now I got to put another nursery together. I started buying baby beds and diapers for newborns. And I want to tell you that Genesis turned one this week. And her brother Asher, his name is Isaac Asher Wallace. Isaac means joy. And so does Asher. Double joy hit my house. But I had to prepare. Touch somebody. Tell them, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Some of you want a baby, but you don't even have a nursery. You got to paint the walls and put a baby bed together. Some of you want revival, but you don't come to prayer meeting. You better get yourself in the house of God. Get ready. Make yourself, make yourself ready. So he gets ready. I got to get to the text. He gets ready, and he fills this flask with oil, and he runs to Ramoth Gilead, and he's looking for a specific person. His name is Jehu. Jehu is not balanced. Because when God sends somebody to correct an imbalance, he doesn't use someone balanced to correct an imbalance. If it's out of balance and the devil is wreaking havoc, God will raise up somebody crazy out of balance on the other side. <laughs> yeah. Can we just get someone balanced, please? Let me help y'all right now. God is not raising up a balanced generation. He's raising up a Jehu generation. He's raising up. In, in fact, the Bible said he was known by the way he drove. He was known by the way he drove. They said, oh, this is Jehu. How do you know? Because he drives furiously. When I was driving up here tonight, they rerouted me because of an accident. And I got on the back rows, and he, uh, your apostle texted me, and he said, what is your ETA? I said, 623. It was 623 because I was driving 90. I was driving furiously. Chris was praying in tongues. He don't ever speak in tongues. He, 
I'm kidding. He does all the time. He was praying in tongues, grabbing stuff, holding on to stuff. I saw his honey tighten up three times. He was trying to hold on for dear life, pleading the blood, rebuking the devil. Oh, God. He said, he said, Bishop, you see those double lines? I said, yes, Father, forgive me while I pass them. God, I got to get to the church by 623, driving furiously. You can't, you can't get to your destination and be balanced. You can't become everything God's calling you to be and make everybody like you. Not everybody is going to approve of you. Not everybody is going to receive when you baptize folk in this pool. I came to tell you just stay where you are. Don't let the devil talk you out of your destiny. Don't let the devil talk you out of your purpose. Touch three people. Tell your neighbor. Say, neighbor, this is not a balance. We're not in a balanced place. God didn't call us to be balanced. God called us to correct a religious imbalance in the kingdom of God. When God's getting ready to mess with something, he don't raise up politeness. He raise up prophets. Now watch this. Let me, let me go through this. Oh, this is so good. I wish, I wish I had time. And maybe you'll let me come back one more time to finish this if I don't get to finish it tonight. He sends this prepared son of the prophet who has the oil in the flask to a city to look for one man. Name is Jehu. Jehu is currently in the strategy room with the commanders of Israel's army. And here's the problem. Read the text. It'll teach us something. They're all sitting. What's wrong with that, Pastor? Nothing except army generals do not sit unless they are being defeated. <laughs> sitting is a position of defeat. I'm not saying you're defeated because you're sitting. I'm just saying you're defeated because you're sitting. Now everybody's going to start standing up. That's not that. that, that. Hear me. Hear me. <laughs> fix it, Wallace. Fix it. In the spirit, if you've lost your posture, that aggressive, let's go get this thing, and now you're just city I tell my kids all the time it's 80 degrees and the sun is shining put the video game down get up off your blessed assurance and go play football in the front yard stop sitting around because sitting indicates weariness defeat you're tired there are some people that used to be on the front line. I'm prophesying to someone right now. There's someone that used to be on the front line that's sitting on the sideline tonight. You're sitting. God sends the son of the prophet to Ramoth Gilead to a room full of commanders. And from the midst of those army leaders, he said, you're looking for one named Jehu. He walks into this room. And he said, which one of you are Jehu? And Jehu said, that'd be me. Follow me. Because when God gets ready to find a people who walk in a fresh anointing, he will call you up, out, and away 
from a defeated tribe. Let me help everybody understand something in this room tonight. You cannot sit with the chickens and soar with the eagles. I think I'll rewind that and bless myself. I said, you cannot sit with the chickens and soar with the eagles. Some of us are going to have to make up my, my, our minds who we are going to run with. If you want to know your future, look at the people you're hanging around. If you stay in that place being seated with a bunch of defeated army captains, your future will be full of defeat, misery, division, and chaos. But if you ever hear the call of the son of the prophet that is calling you, out of the place of mediocrity and the place of defeat and the place of mundane. God is not going to let you sit in a room on, uh, on your heels and lose the rest of your life. Yeah, I believe he sent me tonight to somebody to tell you, Jehu, it's time for you to get up out of this circle. It's time for you to, to disconnect from some people. People that are trying to agree with defeat. I'm not agreeing with defeat. Anybody else feel like that? I'm not going to agree with defeat. I'm not going to hang out with people that agree with my defeat. Your kid gets hooked on a drug. If your circle of friends say stuff like this, yeah, they don't ever come back from that. Get some new friends. You need some people in the church. You need to get some friends in the church. When your child gets hooked on another drug, you don't, you don't need the kind of friends that agree with their defeat. You need them all prayer mamas. When your kid gets hooked on another drug, you need one of them women that go like this. They start bobbing their head and they don't talk to you with the spirit of defeat. They open up their mouth, grab you by the hand, shake your arm till it falls off and say, your children will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. Slap your neighbor, tell them I'm coming out of agreement with defeat. I'm coming out of agreement with defeat. I refuse to believe this nation will be in defeat. I refuse to believe my generation will live in defeat. I do not come into agreement with this lie. If God's got to separate me from all my friends and get me in a room all by myself, I believe I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Touch somebody, tell them, come out of agreement with defeat. I'm coming out of agreement with it. If the devil has my children, he's about to regret ever messing with my family. If the devil's trying to destroy your marriage, tell the devil to get out of your marriage and under your feet. Come out of agreement with it. He takes him out of this room. I'm hurrying. He takes him out of this room. He puts him in another room. It's called an inner chamber. A secret place. He's getting ready to put an anointing on him. But he can't anoint him in front of all of his peers. You better be careful that you don't misinterpret the isolation. Sometimes 
we see people leave our life and we see God pull us away from things and from relationships we thought we had to have. And we interpret that as God, the devil stole my friends. When in reality, God is too jealous for your future to allow you to keep hanging with people that will hinder your oil. I remember a moment in my life where I went through the most painful rejection by peers I've ever experienced in my life. And one of my dearest friends was in a, in a tree stand. I'm sitting on a stage in front of thousands of people. And I feel, uh, don't matter what I felt, but it was the most painful thing I'd ever felt in my life. And while I'm sitting on the stage in front of all these people, and I felt the daggers of people who called me brothers and people who called me friend. And I thought, how did this happen? What did I do wrong? What did I, how did I mess this up? And my buddy texted me from a tree stand. He said, I don't know what you're going through, but I'm in this wilderness hunting. Let me know the Holy Ghost can talk to you when you're at a tree stand. He said to me these words, what feels like the rejection of men is really the jealousy of the Father. I feel like there's a handful of people in here tonight. God is pulling you away from some things, some relationships. Why would he do that? Because he wants to release something on you in a secret place that you cannot get in a crowded place. He takes them in this secret room and he, watch this. Thus saith the Lord. I love the obedience of the son of the prophet. There's a message in this right here. He does exactly what the prophet tells him to do. He doesn't add one word or take away one word. He goes on an assignment, does what he's told, and then he leaves. Can you imagine what a disaster this would have been if he started pontificating? And adding his own, uh, you know, I feel like the Lord wants me to. No, no, no. Thus saith the Lord, you are anointed king over Israel. Who, me? Commander, yes, you. And he takes the oil. You ready for this? We are kind. I don't know where y'all's oil is, but I know you got some oil. Uh, we are kind in today's church. Is it over there? I just can't see it. Oh, yes, 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 yes. We are kind in today's church. In today's church, we respect your hair. <laughs> or your lack thereof. <laughs> in today's church, we respect your weave. <sighs> We respect your extensions. So when we, when we come to anoint you, we take this little thing and we. And if we are feeling the real anointing, we will anoint you with a cross. And by the time that cross is finished, we think you're going to fall out in the floor. When the son of the prophet came to Ramoth Gilead, there was only one recipe for oil. It was six gallons of oil that they carried in a container that held the original recipe of the oil. So he pulls out this recipe of oil 
and dumps oil from the top of his head and it started running down his body because gravity will pull on things and there is a gravity in this room called grace that will pull the oil from the head all the way down to the skirts of the garments of this building everybody connected to this body will encounter the oil that y'all are missing what I'm saying when he stood up here and was testifying about miracles as he prayed and baptized people some of you thought oh that's wonderful but you missed the fact that it was a prophetic announcement that if it happened for your apostle it's going to happen for you and your house you are called to walk in the oil so he anoints him and oil is can you imagine if I pour six gallons of oil it all out your face. No, listen, this is hilarious. Watch, I'm almost through. He, he, he has this oil all over him. And it's not that rancid, rotten, um, uh, Pompeian olive oil smell that them churches I grew up in. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Have y'all ever seen them triangle bottles of olive oil in a church that are 14 years old? You anoint somebody with it and they... I promise you one night, I watched a preacher down a whole half bottle of that oil. I said, Mama, what is he doing? She says, Son, I never seen such a thing in all my life. We'll figure it out after he gets through drinking it. He drank a whole half bottle of olive oil, and when he got through, he said, I feel the anointing. And I said, Brother, I hope you don't get sick. Hallelujah. <laughs> True story. He pours six gallons of oil on him. It's all over his body. Watch, watch. He comes out of that place. Oil is all over him. He walks back into the room with his friends, and they look at him and say, what did he do to you, and what did he say? And here's what he said. The Wallace Unauthorized Translation. He said, nothing. He didn't do nothing. And they looked at him, and they said, you lie. Why did they say he was lying? Because when you come under that kind of anointing, you don't look like what you used to look like. That anointing makes the difference. Look at somebody tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, the anointing makes the difference. Have you ever preached without the anointing? If you haven't, it's the most miserable experience you've ever experienced in your life. But if you've ever, oh, I feel it. Thank you, Lord. If you've ever walked in the oil while you're preaching, you can, you can testify that the anointing makes the difference. Have you ever had to sing without the anointing? Oh, man, it's horrible. We have to endure it when we sing without the anointing. But if you ever step into that anointing, you can't act like you don't have it. You can sit up there and try to look cute and try to present yourself as something... But when the oil gets on you, people can see the difference of God on your life. I want to testify that the time of marginal Christianity is coming to a swift end. The world is looking at the church, and the church needs a fresh anointing. And when we come out of the place of fresh anointing, may the oil of God be so 
rich in our life that the world who knew us before the anointing looks at us after the anointing and said, my God, what has happened to you? Oh, nothing. The devil is a liar. I will not go back to who I was before the oil came on my life. I will not go back on what God has done in me. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. They said, what did he say? He said, he called me the king. Watch this. Watch this. He called me the king. And they all pulled out trumpets and started celebrating. Why did they celebrate? Why did they say, Jehu is king? Ready? They were waiting on God anointed authority to step into their purpose. Hold on, Julian. I want to ask, and I'm done. I want to ask, who is God waiting on in this room to step into their God-given place of authority? There are people ready to follow you, but they will not follow you until you take the anointing, sit in your God-given place, and operate in the authority that God has for your life. You say, Pastor, this sounds weird. It's all about Jesus. It is all about Jesus, but I'm going to freak you out right here. Paul didn't say follow Jesus. Paul said follow me as I follow Christ. Leaders preach, don't follow me, follow Jesus. Listen to me. There's a reason why we're telling people that in this day and time. Because we know we're not following Jesus like we ought to be following Jesus. And we don't want the collateral damage of people following flesh. Leaders hear me and those watching online hear me. This is why leadership demands a crucified life. It's no longer I who live. It's Christ who lives in me. Galatians. I want to tell you this tonight. There are people in this room who have the anointing to influence and change entire atmospheres, school systems, business sectors. But you won't change anything sitting in a defeated position surrounded by people agreeing with your defeat. God is pulling somebody away. Why? Because the anointing of Jehu is for a turnaround. Watch this. Jehu comes into Jezreel. When he comes into Jezreel, Joram, wicked king, sends out a, a spy. Come here, come here, Chris. Come, come, come here, young man. Come here, young man. You look like security. I'm going to let you take care of the house. Hallelujah. Watch this. Can't mess with security. Hallelujah. Watch this. This is Jehu. Come, come, come over here. Come, come over here. Come over here. Here's Jehu. He's anointed king. This is the spy sent for the camp of Israel. And he comes out. Come on, point your finger at him like this. Point your finger at him like this. Are you coming in peace? Are you coming in peace? And he's under this oil. You cannot be over the people until you come under the oil. 
I'm going to say that again. You can't lead people and be over people until you come up under the oil. Well, I'm a bishop. I don't care about your title. I need to know about your oil. Well, I'm an apostle. You an apostle? You got three people and two security guards and ain't nobody in your church but your sons and daughters and your wife and them. You don't need security. You don't even need a title. You need a prayer life. So he comes out and said, are you with us or against us? And Jehu said, turn around and follow me. No, no, no. You just keep this line and you're going to turn around. And now this man who used to be in the camp of the enemy has all of a sudden turned around and is following Jehu. Can I tell you what this anointing does? It attracts people who are living in confusion. The anointing pulled that man and he turned around. And so another man, another man, oh, come here, come here, come here, young man, come here, come here. So another man comes out from the camp of the enemy and he points, come on, point your finger, point your finger. He said, and he said, are you coming in peace? You already took one of our members. He said, what do you know about peace? Turn around and follow me. So this dude said, oh, okay, okay, so I'm going to get around. And now all of a sudden, we have a problem. The camp of the enemy is shrinking, and the camp of the kingdom is increasing. Why? Because of the anointing. You fight, 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 war, war, war for salvation. But I'm going to tell you right now, when you come up under the, uh, the unction of the Holy Ghost, it's easy to get people out of one camp and come into the camp of the kingdom. So now, so now they got this growing army and they're marching toward Jezreel. And Joram says, I'm going to go see about this myself. Come here, you look like you're a spiritual man. Come here, come here, come here. Come here. I don't know you, but I like you. Come on. So he comes out. So he comes out here. And, he, and this is Joram. He says, Are you coming, Pete? Oh, you know, oh. Oh, no, that's good. That's good. Bro, we didn't even practice this. You're anointed for this role. Watch this. So, so he said, did you come in peace? You come in peace? And you're going to pray in the Holy Ghost. I'm going to go over here. Watch this. He said, do you come in peace? And, and Jehu says back to Joram, what do you know about peace? Why, your mama? Uh-oh. And, and, and the harlotries of Jezebel. Watch this. And when he saw, he could not intimidate a freshly anointed man. Watch. He turned around and ran back home. The anointing will not only cause the lost to turn around and follow you, but the anointing will cause your enemies to turn around and run from you. You say, Pastor, that ain't Bible. Oh, yes, it is. The Bible said the enemy will come in one way, but he will run from you seven different ways. How many know if you resist the devil, he will flee? Ready? I'm through. Under this oil, with this growing army, they run to Jezreel and up in the king's perch in the palace is that devil with a skirt on. Jezebel sitting up in the window. Watch. And she starts painting her face. Now, I was always told growing up she painted her face to seduce. So that's why we said women who wear mascara, and ear bobs and Maybelline 
have Jezebel. But I'm going to tell you something, sisters. It's a sin for some sisters not to wear makeup. <laughs> Brothers, don't leave me out here hanging. Y'all know I'm telling it. Just smile. It's a joke, my goodness. Watch, watch, watch. She's up in the window painting her face. Why? You have to understand the custom of the Orient. She was not painting her face to seduce Jehu. She was painting her face because she knew she was about to die. They painted their face on their deathbed to die with dignity. She knew her days were numbered when she saw the look in the eye of a generation running furiously with oil all over their head. She said this, my days are numbered, and Jehu come to the king's palace, looked up in the perch and said, is there anybody up there on my side? And eunuchs who had been castrated by this evil witch, she took their ability to have intimacy and the ability to reproduce. She robbed them of that. And they were fed up with her religious ways. And when they heard someone on the ground calling out to their identity, is anybody on my side? They had been waiting for that voice on the ground to call them into a purpose greater than themselves. She robbed them of their future, but Jehu's voice gave them their future back. Anybody on my side? And they threw her out the window. Let me close and be done here. Stand with me. And group A is getting ready to be baptized. I want group A to come and get ready to get in the water. If you're in group A, get ready. Everybody getting baptized tonight, get ready. But group A, you're getting ready to go. I'm about to hand this to your pastor. But I want to say this to you right now. When those eunuchs heard the voice of Jehu calling out to them, those who were burned by religion and burned by her idolatry the most, these eunuchs were used by God. Do you know who brought Je Jezebel her defeat? It wasn't a king named Jehu. It wasn't the men who rode furiously with him. It was those who had been robbed of their identity and their intimacy and ability to reproduce had been robbed from them by a wicked woman. And I declare to you that there are some people listening to me tonight online and in this house, religion robbed your intimacy with God. But God's voice is coming to you tonight to restore who you are. And you are going to be a part of the tribe that pull down strongholds and high things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. You say, Pastor, I was raised in religion. My heart is hurting. I want to tell you right now that the Spirit of the Lord is going to restore your purpose, your future, and your destiny. And what the enemy counted on, he's about to, he's about to figure out he couldn't count. He counted on you staying in that room with Jezebel and being nothing the rest of your life. But you're about to pull down strongholds. I said religious people who tasted religion and were bitten by religion, God is going to use them to pour down strongholds. 
If you're in this room and you need a fresh oil on your life, lift your hands right now. You're, I'm not going to cute this up and I'm not going to make this all pretty. I'm telling you right now, if you need a fresh anointing and a fresh oil on your life, lift your hands right now. Lift your hands right now. It's not a rhetorical question. I want a fresh oil. If it means I got to lose some friends, if it means I got to lose some relationships, uh -huh, I see hands dropping when I say that. Maybe you're not ready yet for it. Maybe you want to keep hanging around the same people and keep, keep the same relationships and step into something fresh and new. But there are some people who don't care what it means. I want the fresh touch of God's oil on my life, and I need it tonight. I need it tonight. I need it right now that you throw your hands up. Throw your hands up. Holy Spirit, I ask in the name of Jesus for fresh anointing to begin to be released upon the people of God. I thank you for the oil that's going to come on their head tonight. It's going to flow down the beard. It's going to flow down to the skirts of the garment. I declare tonight you've raised up this house to expel Jezebel from a place of authority. Greater is he that is in this place than he that is in the world. May the Spirit of the Lord begin to I want you to lift up your voice right now all over this room. And if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, I want you to begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Everybody filled with the Holy Ghost, begin to press in. We're getting ready to get into the waters. But the oil is coming on somebody right now in this moment just before we step in. Yes, pray in the Holy Ghost for about 120 straight seconds. Two minutes. Two minutes. Go for it right now. Go for it right now. Go for the anointing that breaks the yoke. Go for the oil that makes the difference. Don't miss it. Get ready for it. Get ready for it. Prepare your heart. Prepare your house. Prepare your family. Prepare your marriage. Prepare your future. The anointing to turn things around is coming on your life. I feel the anointing coming on somebody right now. A turnaround anointing is coming on this house. God is about to raise you up to another level. Another level of influence is coming on this house. Your region is expanding. Your territory is getting bigger. I hear the Holy Ghost saying, enlarge the place of your tent. Get ready for increase. Oh, God, we praise you. Come on, pray for 30 more seconds. Pray for 30 more seconds. The anointing, the anointing, the anointing. Some of you haven't felt it in a while. But it's coming on you right now. If you're in group A, I want you to come up the steps right now. You're getting ready to get in the water. If you're in group A, I want you to come to the steps right now. You're getting ready to be baptized. But if you're in this place, while they're getting ready to go up on the steps, and you haven't felt the anointing in a while, and you need the oil to flow again, if you'll throw your hands up, God is about to pour oil on your head. A fresh anointing. A fresh anointing. A fresh anointing. It's coming on you now. It's coming on you now. It's coming on you now. Pray 
pray in the Holy Ghost Church. Miracles are in this room right now. God just healed somebody of cataracts in their eyes. Cataracts in your eyes are gone by the power of the Holy Ghost. It's the anointing that makes the difference. Heart, heart arrhythmia is being healed right now. You go in and out of AFib, but the Holy Ghost is coming on you right now, healing your heart. If I'm talking to you, lift your hands and thank God for healing. Hallelujah. 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 Ho! Oh, feel the release of oil. I feel the release of oil. I feel the release of your oil. This couple, I don't know you. I don't know you, but the oil, the kobon de de alabasa. Take it, baby. Take it, young man. The anointing that breaks the yoke. Lift your voice. Come on, just another minute. There's a fresh oil coming on you. You're an evangelist that's going to win many to the Lord. You're going to win many to the Lord. You're going to win many to the Lord. A fresh anointing. A fre Come on, pray in the spirit, family. God is anointing this house with a fresh oil tonight. How? In the name of the Lord, your dry season is over. Your dry season is over. He's calling you out of a room. He's calling you out of a seated position into a posture of victory tonight. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come here, buddy. Throw your hands up. Oil. Fresh anointing. Fresh anointing. Fresh anointing. Come here, sir. Lift your hands. Pray in the Holy Ghost, church. Pray in the Holy Ghost. A fresh anointing. A fresh anointing. Sweetheart, lift your hands. In the name of Jesus, a fresh anointing. A fresh anointing. Reach over. Lay hands on your neighbor. Lay hands on your neighbor right now. Just touch their shoulder. Touch their shoulder. God, let the oil flow. 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 Let the oil flow. I break every religious spirit. I break every religious yoke. Loose them and let the oil flow. Loose them and let the oil flow. Loose them and let the oil flow. In the name of the Lord, this couple right here on the front, come here. Come here. Throw your hands up. The anointing, the oil, the oil. Dry seasons are over. The oil. Throw your hands up and pray in the Holy Ghost. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Your whole house is coming under the oil. Somebody in your house needs a breakthrough. Oil on that head right now. Oil on that head right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. How we praise you, God. How we praise you, God. Come here, sweetheart. Come here. Lift your hands. In the precious name of Jesus, a fresh anointing. Dry seasons are over. Dry seasons are over. In the name of the Lord. Brother, throw your hands up. It's going to start right there and come all the way down. Fresh oil. Somebody begin to give God praise all over the room. Begin to give God a praise. Come here, sir. Come here. In the mighty name of the Lord, a fresh oil. A
sing, I want you to lift up your hands as the King of Glory fills this room and crown the King of Glory with worship and honor. As you bring Him glory, He will release the oil.